previously on Uncharted Territory. The screen that was supposed to be broken switched from displaying an unknown logo to displaying a video that looked like security camera footage with a date in the bottom corner from over 30 years ago. And in that footage was a scene of a robed and masked figure standing perfectly still in the middle of an empty room. This is episode seven, A Scientist? A segment of the wall in the video opened up to reveal that it was a door. On the other side of it, two soldiers wielding rifles aimed at the figure in the center of the room before somebody who looked like a stereotypical scientist in a lab coat and everything stepped inside. The wall closed behind them. How are we feeling today, Nine? the scientist asked, sounding awfully upbeat for somebody who was alone in the room with somebody who needed armed soldiers aiming guns at them just a moment before. The robed figure, who I could only assume was the nine he was talking to, didn't say anything back. Even more talkative than usual today, are you? Still no response. The scientist sighed and said, Uh, Why can't you be as talkative as the entity in the Chinese branch? Even Seventeen in the Canadian branch opens her mouth every now and then. But you, do you think you are in control? The robed figure suddenly asked, causing the scientist to actually step back for a moment. Once the scientist regained his composure, he said, It's nice to finally hear your voice. Maybe we can learn a little more about each other now. You consider yourself a man of science, but what do you know of the way of this world? Mm, Not as much as you, probably. That's why I'd love to have a proper conversation with you. After all... What we learned about you is that you love to create things. You're a bit of a scientist yourself, aren't you? And your creations defy logic. So, why don't you teach me about how this world works? Then, as the thrice great, allow me to educate you. The thrice great? Oh, I've only ever heard that in relation to Hermes. The scientist went silent as the robed figure slowly raised their hand. A second later, and the scientist dropped to his knees, blood pouring out from his mouth, eyes, ears, nose. It was like a waterfall of blood pouring out from every possible orifice. Part of the wall near the ceiling opened up to reveal vents, which colored gas escaped through. But it wasn't enough. The robed figure rose another hand. With each hand, they drew patterns in the air, each one transforming the scientist's body in a grotesque way. His legs and arms grew to multiple times the size of his body, His facial features grew twisted. His hair fell out. He almost grew in appearance similar to the zombie Goliath boss from the game. 
but he looked far more intimidating, and a lot fleshier still, rather than green and rotting like a zombie. Another part of the wall slid open to reveal nozzles that sprayed flames into the room. Both the robed figure and the mutated scientist were caught on fire, but the figure didn't seem to care at all. The scientist, however, let out a deep, pained yell that sounded more like the shout of a monster than a man before breaking through the part of the wall that he first came through, despite it being closed. We watched as the two soldiers outside of the room were ripped to shreds in an instant by the berserk scientist. The one who started it, Nine, looked directly up into the camera before the video ended. That symbol from before returned to the screen, and I recognized it as the symbol that was on the scientist's lab coat. What was that? Ninja asked me. I've only got a theory, I replied. But I think that video showed another of the entities behind all of this. And that might have been a look at the organization Dungeon Master briefly mentioned before. And the symbols on the wall and screen are that organization's. But if they're here, then maybe this dungeon isn't just like the one from the game. Lord Player? Maybe part of this lab is actually from that organization. I, I didn't really think about it before since I was focused on not dying. But that cafeteria room we were in the last time we were here? I don't remember any room layouts like that existing in the original game. And it looked... I don't know... real. It didn't just look like a set piece in a dungeon. It looked too normal for that when you forget about all the blood and destruction and zombies that were in there. But that hallway and cave-connected entrance... And the shack, turrets, and elevator. All of these are from the game. So, what if the lab is a hybrid of the one from the game and one from the real world? I'm not sure. And I could just be looking way too far into it, but that's my theory. That also explains the vents. A real underground lab is going to have vents in the hallways. A video game one isn't. That hall overlapped one from the game with one from real life, I think. Oh, to figure all of that out in such a short time? You continue to impress me, my lord. Like I said, just a theory. And I could be completely wrong here. That video might not have even been real. Though, I have a feeling that it was. Before anything else could be said, we reached the bottom of the elevator shaft and the wall in front of us automatically opened up to reveal what looked like a reception lobby, with a few zombie-type enemies already standing around inside of it. The turrets I placed immediately opened fire on the nearest zombie, killing it with the first volley of shots. Before the second zombie could reach us, they fired again and killed it. With that, the first room was clear. Useful, right? I asked. Ninja rubbed her ears, but nodded her head. Very useful, my lord. But 
very loud. To be fair, they were way louder than before, seeing as how they were not only firing right next to us, but we were in an enclosed space. That only made it even louder. If it was painful even for me to hear that, then it was obviously going to be even more painful for her, with her extra-sensitive hearing. Listening to the sound effect of a gun firing in a game was no big deal, but since we were in a world that combined game logic with real logic, the turrets sounded as genuinely loud as regular guns. I was going to pick up and move the turrets with us from room to room, but instead I stepped out of the elevator without taking them with me. Let's leave the turrets here just to cover us in case we need to hurry back for some reason. But would it not be wiser to bring them with us? Ninja asked. Not at the risk of damaging our hearing. Besides, if our ears are constantly ringing in pain from listening to guns firing right next to us, how are we going to hear any enemies trying to sneak up on us? Oh, smart thinking, my lord. Very well. Leaving them here to cover our escape would be for the better. Following a nod, I looked around the room just to see if there was anything that might be a trap. There were a couple of vents that made me suspicious, so we need to be careful when going by them. Lord Player? Ninja spoke up. Would you please allow me to go first? In the event of an ambush like before, I would rather be the one at risk. I still wasn't comfortable with the idea of her being the one in the lead, and in the most danger. But... She was more than capable of kicking my ass, had stronger senses than me, and also had way better reflexes. It would just be stupid to not let her go first. All right, I said. The lead is yours. Just be careful. Ninja nodded and went ahead of me with her hand on her sword's grip, ready to draw it at any second. I had to admit... I immediately felt more at ease with her being in the front. She was just so much more capable and experienced that she was objectively the best option for being in the lead. I felt safe with her there, even if it made me feel a bit guilty. But that also inspired me. It inspired me to get even stronger and better at fighting so that I could be the one to be in the lead and let others feel safe. I wanted to be able to make her feel as safe as she made me feel. And that feeling became even stronger as she walked by the first vent and paused with a twitch of her ears. The next second, one of those child-sized zombies burst out through it, lunging at Ninja, only to be cut in half before it could even get near her. The two halves of the zombie went around her and fell onto the floor behind her, proving even more that she was the right one to be in the lead. Guide might have been the coolest when it came to being flirty, but Ninja was the coolest when it came to fighting. That aside, before we could go through the door at the end of the room, I noticed something on the reception desk. There were papers. Files. Not just files that were there for the sake of making the place look more realistic, but files that actually looked real. Hang on, I said, causing Ninja to stop and turn toward me. The documents were loose on the desk, but they didn't count as items to enter my inventory, just as those fired bullets from before didn't. 
That didn't stop me from manually picking them up and looking at them, though. And they had that same symbol that I saw on the shack and screen at the top of them. I'd have to look through them later, preferably when back at the house. They were pretty densely typed, and I wasn't about to go on a reading binge in the middle of a zombie-infested lab. But, since I couldn't just place them in my inventory, I looked over at Mimic and asked, Do you think I could store these in you for now? Can you keep them safe in your body without ruining them or getting them wet? Mimic swung open its lid and revealed the best look we got into its body so far. Inside was just a mass of writhing flesh, teeth, bone, and eyes. I kind of regretted looking inside of it. More importantly, Mimic shifted around part of its interior to create what looked like a dry compartment surrounded with bone. It even had its own little bone lid that could be closed over it. The inside of Mimic's body was disgusting, but I appreciated it and placed the files inside of that bony compartment. Thanks, Mimic. Mimic closed the bone lid on its own before closing its regular lid. Then it licked me again. Now I knew that if I ever found anything I wanted to keep that I couldn't just store in my actual inventory, I could let it sit inside of Mimic's body instead. All right, I told Ninja. We can keep going. Very well, my lord, Ninja replied. With that, the door automatically opened once she got close enough to it, and we continued exploring the lab. After coming up with my theory... I couldn't help but to find more and more evidence to support it. But I wasn't sure if that was me looking for evidence with subconscious bias in mind to try and confirm it, or if it was legitimate evidence. Ninja, meanwhile, did basically all of the work. There wasn't a single enemy capable of getting one up on her. Even when there were a few zombie types with enough health to survive an opening attack from her, They weren't able to actually hurt her before she could follow up and cut them down. Eventually, we entered a hallway that was lined with doors. Each door had a nameplate and room number next to it. Hold on, Ninja, I said, stopping by the first door. Let's check each of these rooms out. We might find something good in them. Very well, Ninja replied. I'll take the lead on them. You're already doing enough. Besides, if I see anything in there waiting to jump out at me, I think I'm fast enough to hide behind the wall. Ninja's ears lowered a bit, but she nodded. With that, I stepped closer to the door until it automatically opened for me, and inside was a normal-looking office. Sure, it looked ruined and covered in blood and gore, but it still just looked like a regular office. There was a desk with a computer, file cabinets, a ceiling fan. It was just an office. I carefully entered the room, making sure to scan every single inch available of it to check for traps or hidden enemies. But there weren't any, and once I felt safe, I went over to behind the desk to try something out. Ninja poked her head in from the entrance and said, Lord Player? Hang on, I replied. Even though I doubt it, I still want to try something. 
I got behind the computer and grabbed the wired mouse to give it a shake. I honestly didn't expect anything to happen, but the monitor came to life. Holy shit, I couldn't help but to say. It's actually still on. It still works. The bad news was that the screen waking up revealed a login screen asking for a password. And I had no idea what the password was. I tried password and 1234, but neither of those worked. And if neither of those worked, then I doubted I was going to be able to figure it out from randomly guessing. That left me with two options. One, I could leave the computer be in hopes of someday finding out what the password was. Two, I could try and break the computer with my pickaxe to see if it would turn into an item that I could pick up, just like with the turrets. The only problem was that the turrets were items from the actual game, even if modded. The bullets and files were not, so they didn't get sucked into my inventory and were treated like normal, real items. As far as I could remember, the lab wasn't supposed to have computers like this, regardless of whether or not mods were involved. Sure, it had computers, but they were all broken and older-looking. If it was the same as the files and fired bullets, then I'd probably just end up breaking it beyond repair. Huh. The file cabinets were new, too. The desk and chair in the room were the same items that could be found in the game, but not the filing cabinet. In that case, I walked over to it and gave it a few smacks with my pickaxe. Bloody filing cabinet! Added to inventory! Huh. Well, it worked. The cabinet turned into a lootable item once I hit it enough. So, why did that, but not the files? Well, that question was less important than the other question. Could the computer get looted too? Turning my attention toward the computer, I raised my pickaxe and swung it into its tower until it broke. It was strangely cathartic once I remembered all those times that my operating system updated without my permission while I was in the middle of doing something. And thankfully, the computer broke into an actual item that got sucked into my inventory. Old lab computer added to inventory. The monitor, mouse, keyboard, everything got sucked into my inventory together, as they all counted as the same item. Nice, I said. I'll be able to set this up back at the house and- Lord! Lord Player! Ninja shouted, prompting me to run back out to the hall where she was standing with her sword already drawn. Before I even saw what she called me for, I heard a deep- distorted voice that gave me a pretty strong hint. Talkative. I turned my head to look toward the source of the voice and saw none other than that shambling, mutated scientist from the video. Only his skin was blackened from fire, and he looked like he had hundreds of bullet scars spread out across his body. It was probably safe to consider my theory confirmed at that point. But while the theory was safe, I had a feeling that we were anything but.
My immediate reaction to seeing the mutated scientist was to pull Ninja back before quickly dropping the file cabinet from my inventory just to take up some space in the hall to hopefully slow it down. I had a bad feeling looking at the scientist. With how injured he was, and the fact that he was still alive despite it all, and the fact that his arms were larger and more muscular than my entire body, I figured he was going to be a bitch to take down. Get back to the lobby. We'll have more space to move and the turrets to back us up, I told Ninja, as I filled the hall with some chunks of stone I had to build a temporary wall between us and the scientist. Thrice, great I am a creation of the thrice great... The scientist groaned out before letting out an ear-piercing shriek. One, that shriek hurt my ears even more than the turrets. Two, in response to that shriek, I heard the groans and shrieks of other enemies in the lab getting closer to us. Before we were able to get back to the lobby, though, we had another hallway to go through— and that hallway was full of zombies, despite us already clearing it out earlier. And just as we noticed the packed hall of zombies ahead of us, I heard a loud crashing from behind us. The scientist punched a hole through the stone with ease. I've got three bombs left, I said, as I pulled them out of my inventory. I'll clear us a path. Ninja nodded and stepped out of the way, allowing me to roll a bomb down the hallway in front of us. It was a pretty good roll, since it managed to go between the legs of the zombies in the front, meaning that it got right into the middle of their pack before blowing up. It did more than enough damage to instantly kill the pack of zombies in front of us, at the cost of sending bloody chunks of zombie flesh throughout the entire hallway. All three of us got splattered with their gore, which was disgusting, but we didn't have the time to worry about that. With the scientists slowly approaching us from behind, we had to move, so we charged through the hallway before the smoke from the explosion even had a chance to clear. Wait! Ninja shouted, thrusting her arms out past her sides to block the path. What's wrong? I asked in a hurry, before looking around her. Ah, that was what was wrong. The bomb didn't just blow up part of the hallway. It turned out that there was another hall directly underneath it, and the bomb created a giant hole in the floor, which meant we'd have to jump over it to get back to the lobby. I wanted to ask Ninja to move out of the way, but with another shriek from the scientist behind us, I didn't have time to be polite. I had to forcibly push my way past her so that I could start building a bridge over the hole, since I knew I wouldn't be able to jump over it without getting a running start, which I didn't have the time nor space for. All I could do was build a bridge as quickly as possible, which I was able to complete without actually going across it. The bridge didn't need to be that long, so I was able to complete it from where I stood. As soon as it was complete, I rushed Ninja and Mimic across it as I hurried to build another temporary wall behind us to slow the scientists down, even if only for a few seconds. Player! Ninja shouted. We're across! The wall was only half complete, but I didn't have the time to finish it. 
I started going over the narrow bridge I built, only for Ninja's ears to shoot straight up as she pointed behind me. Player! Watch! I looked over my shoulder and saw that the scientist already broke through the half of a wall I built and was in the middle of a lunge at me. I had nowhere to go. If I tried to duck, he'd hit me. If I tried to jump the rest of the way across the bridge, he'd hit me. There was only one direction I could go to avoid getting hit, and I already had a bomb in my hand ready to throw. Get back to the lobby and wait for me there! I shouted at Ninja and Mimic before spiking the bomb down against the bridge. It bounced back up into the air right in front of my face, but it was only there for a moment as I stepped off the bridge to land in the hall underneath it. The bomb exploded just as the scientists reached it. There were only a couple of inches between him and it when it went off, meaning he'd be taking the full amount of damage possible from it. However, I was close enough to it that I took some damage too. Not the full amount, but the shockwave from the blast still sent pain through my body and took my health down by a heart. But I didn't have time to worry about that either. The bomb not only hurt us, but it blew up the bridge, and the force of the blast cancelled out the scientist's momentum. That meant the scientist landed on the ground right next to me on the lower level. And even though his chest was blown open with his ribs and organs exposed, he was still alive and looking at me with a demented smile full of sharp teeth. The exposed inner flesh of the scientist reminded me of looking into Mimic's body, and that gave me an idea. I breathed in through my nose, dodged his fist when he tried to punch me, and breathed out as I placed my final bomb directly inside of his body, shoving it in right between his exposed intestines. You're slow compared to Ninja, I shouted at him, as I ran past to get as much distance between us as I could. The bomb went off right after. I didn't get far enough away to completely avoid taking damage, but I avoided enough damage. More importantly, the scientist didn't. The bomb detonated in the middle of his body, with enough force to destroy most of what remained of him. I doubted he'd survive without most of his body and his organs. Yet, as the smoke cleared... Seriously? I asked out loud, as I saw the scientist crawling on the ground toward me. Both of his arms were still in good shape, but the entire lower half of his body was gone, and I doubted there was anything left inside of his torso. How the fuck are you still alive? The scientist groaned out. I am a creation of that. That was when a familiar sword impaled his head from above. It went in through the top of his head and came out through his neck. And that was enough to finish him off as he finally stopped moving. Thought I told you to wait for me in the lobby, I asked Ninja, who was standing atop his back. You may have given me an order, but leaving you in danger is a crime I would never forgive myself for, Ninja replied. Mimic jumped down from the ceiling right after that. 
Unfortunately, they weren't alone. The zombies that the scientists called finally caught up and fell down through the hole in the ceiling, too, and there were enough of them that we simply couldn't carve our way through without getting hurt in the process. And I didn't have any more bombs to blow them all away, either. We were, however, in a hallway that was empty going in the other direction. In theory, we'd eventually find the proper stairs to go back up to the second floor, or we'd potentially find another escape route into the caves. Alternatively, we could hole ourselves up in a room somewhere and I could try digging our way to safety, but that would take time and exhaust me to the point where I wouldn't be any good in a fight, depending on how long it took. Wait. While Ninja and Mitmic held off the first of the undead who jumped down to our floor, I noticed something. The scientist didn't despawn. His body was still there. He never broke up into a bunch of items or anything. Ninja, Mimic, we need to go, I said. Now! Ninja gave me a nod and put more space between her and the zombies. Mimic joined her right after. That was when I heard it. When I heard him. I am creation thrice great. I couldn't see him due to the zombies now standing in front of him, but I heard him. Run to the end of the hall, I ordered, as I switched to some of the slime in my inventory. I had more than enough for the idea I just came up with. I just had to be fast about it. While the three of us ran toward the other end of the hall, I left a trail of slime behind us. The pursuing zombies surrounded the slime, just as I hoped they would, because the slime wasn't going to be enough to keep a fire going. As soon as we were at the end of the hallway, I had Ninja and Mimic go through the door before pulling out my makeshift flamethrower and spraying some flame at the slime trail. The slime immediately ignited down the line, and it burned with enough intensity to catch some of the surrounding zombies on fire, too. And thanks to how densely they packed the hall, the fire easily jumped between them and quickly grew out of control. But I didn't stay around to watch. I joined Ninja and Mimic on the other side of the door and shut it before placing several layers of stone blocks behind it for extra security. I don't want to start a fire in a closed space, but we should be safe from the smoke in here, I explained. We just have to hope that the scientist burns up in it. How... how did he yet live? Ninja asked. That should not be possible. My blade should have left his mind beyond repair. If a bomb blowing up inside of his torso didn't kill him, then I'm not surprised a sword through the brain didn't kill him. That aside... I looked around the room to see where we ended up, and I discovered that there was no other way in nor out of it. The room was a dead end, but it was still one of the most important rooms to find in the mini-dungeon. Not only was there a bloody, futuristic-looking chest in the center of it, but the walls of the room were lined with large glass tubes that contained frozen zombies and other experiments inside of them. That much was normal and part of the original mini-dungeon. What was not part of the original mini-dungeon, however, 
was the fact that one of the tubes had a person inside of them. A woman wearing a lab coat, who I recognize as a modded NPC I forgot existed. Scientist. The work-in-progress NPC of an overly ambitious mod that wanted to add a researchable tech tree to the game. She had basically no purpose the last time I played, since she was added just to show that she existed, so I forgot all about her. Is she dead? Ninja asked, standing in front of the glass tube Scientist was frozen inside of. She's alive, I answered. There should be a control panel in here somewhere that will start a mini-event, which will wake up the frozen zombies first. Then, once we kill them, she'll unfreeze and wake up. I was really starting to regret not bringing those turrets with me. Will we wake her? We will, but not yet. I don't think it'd be a good idea to start that event while we still have that horde outside the room. And as long as there's that mutated scientist who can break through stone... I don't want to start anything else. Then what should we do? First, I'm going to open up that chest to see what's in there. Maybe there will be something to help us out. Ninja nodded, and both she and Mimic followed me over to the bloody chest. I wasn't sure if there'd be anything in there capable of helping us out, but loot was loot, and I needed to collect everything anyways. So, I opened up the chest. And... I couldn't resist laughing when I saw what was inside of it. Is... is something wrong, Lord Player? Ninja asked. (laughs) Not at all, I answered. If anything, this is the best possible loot the chest could give me right now. What is it? Our ticket out of here. Thank you for joining us on another thrilling adventure of Uncharted Territory. The excitement, danger, and magic of Uncharted Territory continues to unfold, and we can't wait to share what's in store for our next episode. So, mark your calendars, because next Friday, we'll dive back into the game world for more action, mystery, and unexpected twists. Before we part ways, remember that your feedback and support keep this journey alive. If you have any questions, comments, or fan theories, tweet at us at utpod-we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep exploring.